0: Welcome to this Frequency Matters podcast. I'm Pat Hindle, and I'm talking with Brandon Branham, Assistant City Manager and CTO of Peachtree Corners and Executive Director of the Curiosity Lab, and also Brad Sturz, Director of Audi Government Affairs. Welcome, guys.
1: Welcome. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: So uh, I saw a big news item that Peachtree Corners and Audi of America, you know, are announcing a collaboration to Advance Cellular Vehicle to Everything, or CV2X. And this is for practical deployment pathways as part of the city's Curiosity Lab ecosystem. I see that both Audi and Peachtree Corners are having this opportune time to uh, deploy CV2X applications. And this will allow vehicles to communicate with city-owned streets, traffic signals, crosswalks, and other infrastructure, as well as the vulnerable road users. So it's a big safety issue here. So can you uh, give us a little bit of background on the project?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll start with that one. Um, over the last few years, we've really been taking an initiative to do what we can from the City of Peachtree Cornerside through the work with Curiosity Lab to, to bring connected vehicles you know, to public infrastructure to really start managing the opportunities around safety that connected vehicle applications can bring uh, to drivers and roadways and uh, most important, vulnerable road users. So we started that initiative a few years ago originally with dsrc and then transitioned to cb2x as the fcc started to transition as well and then really you know went in on the infrastructure to make sure all aspects of the city's infrastructure were connected and able to broadcast safety messages out to vehicles and then fast forward after a couple of years in conversations uh, with Brad, and just really saw a great opportunity is the incredible work he's doing to push us through from the OEM side to come together um, around that focus on vulnerable road users. Because in the past, they had traditionally been kind of overlooked in the deployment of DSRC. Uh, in the beginning, it was really about the infrastructure. Um, and now there, there's opportunity to really take and connect those that were previously unconnected.
0: Okay, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about how these uh, Audi vehicles will communicate as they're driving around and what they'll communicate with and how that works.
1: So I, I can uh, explain that a bit. So um, the cars will be equipped. They're, they're not currently uh, equipped. And in fact, we're waiting for the Federal Communications Commission to finalize its work on all of the requirements around the safety spectrum in the 5.9 gigahertz spectrum. Um, but when this gets cleared up, and then as production plans move forward, cars will have a radio that can connect to anything else that has a CV2X radio installed. And that can include everything from a, a bicycle, pedestrian, or uh, infrastructure, as Brandon was mentioning, and of course other cars and other vehicles on the road. and. Um, we see this really, we're at a cusp of having true safety communications, but also a lot of uh, improved quality of life opportunities with this uh, ability of traffic to interact better with its environment.
0: So maybe you can tell us a little bit about the device used, you know, for cyclists and pedestrians. What does that look like and how does it work?
1: So I think the The nearest opportunity is a device for cyclists. It's about the size of a mobile phone um, that can transmit a signal of here I am and uh, see you, see me back and forth to the car 10 times a second and, you know, to the bicycle. And especially this is important in areas where there's very poor line of sight, either in, you know, places where there's tall buildings or other obstructions or curvy roads and that kind of thing. To give the uh, motorist a sense that there is something ahead that you need to be prepared to uh, drive more cautiously with. So this will also eventually come to pedestrians. Uh, It's not quite there for mobile phone integration yet, um, but that's being worked on by the the mobile uh, device industry and the chip makers. But it's something that I think is down the road uh, very possible once this also gets installed in the vehicles.
0: And so it will warn the vehicle that, you know, it's getting near or how does that work? Is it automated or is it just kind of a warning?
1: Um, it's a, it's automated. So the car is able to detect that there's a, a bicycle ahead or, for instance, if the motorist or an automated vehicle is attempting to change a lane or pull out of a parking, parallel parking spot, it will detect that there's a cyclist coming alongside to be more cautious about. And so it's Truly, like a, a radio signal that's sent back and forth 10 times a second to the car and the vulnerable road
0: user. And so, I can imagine there must be a lot of challenges in designing a system like this. You know, what are the main things that you have to overcome to have an effective safety system?
1: Well, there's a couple of things. One, now that we're getting clarity on the spectrum use and um, You have this opportunity with CV2X to operate in the safety spectrum where there's very low latency, uh, very accurate communications in a very, you know, dangerous situation so that the car is able to maneuver or brake properly. Um, And you also have the opportunity with CV2X to utilize mobile networks for more uh, safety um, enhancing longer distance communications so that the car or the motorist can stay away from danger to begin with. But the obstacles uh, are, first of all, to once we get clarity in the spectrum, is to begin to build out the ecosystem. And, and that's where our excitement to work with Peachtree Corners is really a progressive leader in this area, wanting to get prepared for the future. You know, we want to be able to advise and work and, and get everything in place so that it can be something that's very effective when the cars start to arrive in quantity. The other challenge on a practical level is what do you do when there's a, a dozen bicycles or a hundred bicycles or in a place like uh, some of the major cities in China, thousands of bicycles? And that's where we have to be very careful about not over overstimulating the driver or bombarding them with alert messages, but rather maybe give them something that's more akin to sort of a heat warning that they're approaching an increasingly dangerous situation and they need to take better care. So these, you know, this sort of human and machine interface it, question is something that we want to work on in the next few years as we move towards production.
2: Piggyback on that, it's kind of that transition, you know, to get to the to where the end state we want it to be, where we're all connected and every person and device is out there and is seen by, you know, vehicles and pedestrians see vehicles. But there is a kind of in-between step that the local governments and state you know, governments and counties have an opportunity to start to use infrastructure in a way to meet that middle gap um, using things such as LIDAR to detect pedestrians and crosswalks and then converting that to a CV to X message so that we can broadcast out to vehicles. Um, and then as Brad mentioned, we, we have to work together in this spectrum of it because of the amount of messages that can be sent out are almost infinite, but what makes the most sense to have the most awareness for the driver so that they do pay attention. And I think that's where we see a great opportunity with, you know, Audi and others in this space to really start to define that. Uh, so that when we do get to the, where we want to be, it, it, it's ideal for the driver
0: and the user. Well, that brings up another question. Uh, How do you connect all the infrastructure like traffic lights, you know, that don't already have a cellular uh, connection in place?
2: So that goes back to a little bit of what Brad was mentioning, the two different types of communication where you do have that millisecond with a roadside unit. So cities and other local government agencies can deploy roadside units on their infrastructure and that broadcasts out um, information of what's happening in the intersection, the phasing of the signal itself. Uh, so that is here. We, we can we can get those products today. Obviously, still some to be some areas to be determined by uh, the rules and the bandwidth from the FCC. But that's how local government starts to implement connected vehicle technologies is through that roadside unit. Um, And then they can also start to implement some of the onboard units inside of their own fleet vehicles. Uh, We're seeing that here. Uh, Brad did a great project in Alpharetta with the school bus system and a connected vehicle uh, because people run school bus stop arms all the time. How do you start to prevent those types of things and also improve efficiency of school buses, giving them green lights so the bus schedule stays on time? Those are things that we can do today and build upon what's to be in the future. That's great.
0: So maybe if you could just tell us a little bit more about the hardware and if there's any special software that's needed, you know, what is needed on the car or the bicycle, or I understand on the person it would be part of the phone, which would be really uh, convenient. And is it applicable to other things like skateboarders or uh, other types of way that people are moving around?
1: Well, I'll start uh, from our side and then maybe Brandon can add from the infrastructure side so it's literally a a radio module Um, it's not extraordinarily expensive to install a car even though in most cases when you're designing a car you're looking for nickels to save um, on the cost but it's not um, ridiculously expensive and it does it's just literally like a radio that sends out a, a a discrete set of messages that are understood at the other on the receiving end, whether that's another vehicle or traffic signal. Um, I will note I helped co author a, a study or a report by ITS America that estimated to um, equip about 75% of the nation's signalized intersections. So, in the ballpark of 220, 230,000 traffic signals. Total cost over 10 years to build that out would be about $7.5 billion. And while that sounds like a lot of money, when you're spreading that over the entire country and over 10 years, it's not that daunting uh, of an investment, particularly at a time when uh, the infrastructure bill that uh, is providing unprecedented amounts of money for infrastructure improvements. So um, we're really hopeful that cities can begin to um, look to this and install it and so that the cars will be able to interact better with the traffic signals at a minimum. Uh, and just to give you some examples of the applications there, and Brandon touched on this, Fulton County Schools in Georgia found that because there's, the equipped school buses received signal prioritization, kids were getting to school on time. Kids who qualified for a hot breakfast due to their economic conditions were able to get it to school on time and actually have a good start for their day and a good breakfast. And the school district realized it was saving 10 to 12% on fuel costs because the buses weren't idling at, at stoplights. So it's the kind of thing that almost begins to start paying for itself in that way if you begin to deploy this more broadly. And for things like emergency vehicles, it can make a critical difference in time getting to a hospital or medical care because you can imagine that traffic intersections would be able to get cleared out If the stops, if if the traffic lights know how far away the ambulance is away and and how far it can, how, when it needs to start getting cars cleared out of the intersection. So there's a lot of benefits like that. And that's where I think we as an automaker and and Peachtree Corners as a really motivated municipality can begin to work on some of those applications.
2: Yep. So as you kind of heard there, Patrick was, it does take both sides. You do have to have the broadcasting radio. And that's what, you know, the cities are, that's really where the local governments come in uh, from our side is making sure the infrastructure is connected. And then you have to have that receiving radio to to receive those messages. And that's going to come in different form factors. As Brad mentioned, you know, the radio in the car, the work we're doing with spoke, uh, as Brad, Brad hinted a little bit earlier about the size of a cell phone. Where you can, you know, we currently did a deployment demonstration of that at a criterium where we put about 10 bicycles on the connected um, device and we could see all of that in transit and receive messages from them. And then we're looking at, what spoke because that device is now smaller, let, let's start looking at our um, workers who are out, you know, cutting grass on a 50 mile an hour roadway in the median what what happens when we start to connect them and make make them visible to vehicles that are on approaching and looking at different ways that we can enhance safety for those types of scenarios. School crossings is another area that we're working on uh, because cities put out a lot of uh, rapid flashing beacons. It's the ones where you see where you walk up to a crosswalk and you have to tap a button to turn the light on. A majority of people don't touch the button So what are ways we can use other sources of technology to recognize when someone steps into that crosswalk and then actuate the light for them while also broadcasting uh, with the roadside unit the message out to a connected vehicle.
0: So how do you ensure reliability and the speed of actions in these systems to make sure they're safe?
1: So there's a there's a series of standards that are already in place around the basic message sets that are used to communicate different types of um, interactions that have to happen, things called uh, basic safety messages, for example. And these are pretty well established internationally. And again, just the fact that you have a, a message that's going out 10 times a second in confirmation of other sensors that are on the car or other vehicles, in addition to other opportunities that, you know, Brandon mentioned, such as LIDAR, begin to give a pretty clear picture of when a car is approaching a fairly dangerous traffic environment or something that needs the driver's attention. So it's pretty established, and um, I think that's one of the reasons why we're hopeful the Federal Communications Commission, along with the Federal Highway Administration in the Department of Transportation, will begin to accelerate the opportunity to deploy this on the roads.
0: So Brandon, you know, Peach Street Corners has this connected infrastructure, you know, how does that enable OEMs like Audi to test and validate these systems? Because you have a really great setup there.
2: Yeah, without the infrastructure, there's nothing for the vehicle to receive. So I think that is kind of the most important factor for us. And we knew that going in to really, you know, start to push this industry forward because we saw the benefits and safety for it that we needed to make sure that the infrastructure was there. And then, you know, we work with Brad and the team. Um, what do they need to see from the data set side that helps them integrate into their systems? And that's kind of part of this beginning of the collaboration to sit down and have those conversations, make sure the systems are communicating. They're communicating what they're supposed to be and how, and what's the most useful
1: purpose of it. Yeah, and also from our side too, if I can add to that, um, it's really important to understand what the safety priorities of an individual city or sometimes statewide might be. So, for example, some of the issues that might be necessary to solve in Peachtree Corners might be different in a city where they're more concerned about how much time should be allowed for people in wheelchairs to cross the street, for example, near a medical center. Um, things like that, and that's where I think the collaboration is in, is essential, so we both are able to look at the data and look at the individual problem that's trying to be solved and, and figure out how it works on both sides.
0: Well, this is a great project. Uh, any last insights about what you're looking forward to next?
2: I think just continuing you know, to push the benefits of what the capabilities of CVDEX to have uh, to ensure the safety of all of our road users. Uh, not just those in the vehicle, but those that are out enjoying the multi-use trails that we're building, the bicycle lanes that we're building, our jobs to protect them the best that we can, and this provides a great opportunity to do that.
1: Yeah, and I will add this um, dynamic that we're talking about is something that's been envisioned since 1999, and I think, as I said at the beginning, we're at a real cusp of able to unleash this in very concrete ways and, and, and at scale across the country. What we're dealing with right now, since the FCC took away two thirds of the safety spectrum um, in 2020 and gave it to the Wi-Fi industry, it's really not possible to launch 5G CV2X in the United States um, because there's only 30 megahertz left. And we estimate between 5G and automated vehicle uses that piggyback on 5G, you're gonna need at least another 40 megahertz of spectrum somewhere. So what we're left with deploying here in the US, which actually coincides with how China's beginning to step into this area too, is uh, LTE-based CB2X uh, for the time being. Now, we believe both at Audi and with 5G Automotive Association and a number of cities like Peachtree Corners that it's important to show progress with what we can put on the road right away. And, um, and then work with the FCC to unleash more spectrum as needed for these 5G uses in the not too distant future. But I just wanted to be clear that it's not 5G yet in the United States or, or even Canada, uh, but it's something that we look forward to continuing to show progress towards in the future. And so I'm looking forward to the learnings that we get from Peachtree Corners and being able to help inspire other municipalities, other state DOTs and and road operators to envision what's possible and begin the process of installing the equipment.
0: Yeah, I realize this has been in the works for some time. We've been following this technology and it's forward to seeing what you guys uh, develop and come out with in this project. So uh, thanks, uh, Brandon and Brad for uh, talking with me today. I know I've learned a lot about this project, so I'll definitely uh, keep up to date on it. To our listeners, you can find more podcasts at podcast.microwayjournal.com. Thanks for listening.